Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Justin Wells, Inside Texas, also does work with On3 Sports. He covers Texas, joins us, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke. Justin, we've kind of summarized with Matthew Golden. I think that was almost immediate. The five-star flip from Florida, and then also uh, Makuba, who made his decision from Clemson, Austin LBJ. Uh, and it's not even National Signing Day yet. Uh, how much do they have available? Because it seems like they are just adding and adding and adding, and all of it appears to be high-level talent. There, the, Yeah, the, the cupboard is getting pretty stocked. There's only a few spots left. Uh, I, I think that they, that they definitely have one spot left open for Jasper linebacker Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, he's a Texas A&M commit right now, sideline to sideline, tracks and smacks. Just an absolute outstanding uh, a linebacker. Will you know projects well at the next level, but the spots are filling up, and so you know th- there's that big gap from Wednesday until February. You know, a, a good six weeks to where you're going to have a handful of other kids that are still in the mix. A kid like an Alex Foster, the uh, the St. Joseph uh, out of Mississippi, the Greenville uh, defensive tackle committed to Baylor. You've got Dominic McKinley uh, down from Acadiana, Louisiana, committed to Texas A&M. They, there's still some talks there. And then they've also, you know, still in the mix a little bit for, for a few other players, potentially even Dalen Evans. There's been a little bit of whispers about the Pine Tree uh, kid, a defensive lineman in Texas A&M commit, talking to Texas a little bit. But I'll be honest, uh, you know, if, if they're able to, to flip Smith on, on signing day, I'm not sure there's any more room, Smokey. I don't think – I think the number would – I think at that point would push it to either 24 or 25. And this was going to be a small class anyway because the first two classes with Sark were, were absolutely full. And so, yeah, room is running out. But, don't, but when it comes to the portal, you know, they lost a handful of kids. And so those are basically replacements, so to speak. And, and I know they're in real big on another big portal kid, uh, UTSA outside linebacker edge, uh, Trey Moore. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that'll, that's another one to – to, to pay attention to. But for the 2024 cycle, man, it, it looks like there's only one or two spots left. How um, – and obviously they're probably when – the playoff is over and they know who's exactly leaving, you know, if they're going to lose, you know, Mitchell and Worthy and Sanders and guys like that, then they're going to have more spots to fill. But what do you think is the max number of guys they would add in the portal? Oh, that's a great question because I honestly think it changes almost daily. You know, portal recruiting is fluid. It's almost like free agency in the NFL. It is, you could have some good info and 10 minutes later, it could be wrong. Mm. And so right now, you know, Matthew Golden is your Xavier Worthy replacement. That's your speed-on-speed guy that can play the outside, real good in the return game. That's kind of that fill in there. McCubbin's coming in to, to, to fill in for guys like a Jade Barron, you know, former Baylor commit, big-time big time nickel 
uh, star for, for, for Texas. You know, he's going to be able to play both safety spots, but also come down in the box and potentially play some of that star position. And then, you know, Trey Moore is another one that just gets to the quarterback. He's a best player available type. But I, I, I think you might see some movement at tight end because Jatavian Sanders is more than likely going to go play on Sundays in April. And, and I, you know, they've got some decent guys in, in on the roster. Gunnar Helm out of, out of Colorado. They have a couple young guys and Spencer Shannon out of modern day. Will Randall, Arch Manning's teammate down at, at Isidore Newman. Those were both uh, redshirted this year as freshmen. But I do think they would like to add another tight end. That might be one that you see happen maybe after spring because you see that rush from the portal in the first two weeks. And then you'll see a few more in January. And then I think players go through spring ball to see where they'll be, to see where they're going to be at. Are they going to get the rest? Are they going to be in the rotation? And if they're not, then I think you see another slew of decisions after spring ball. And so for Texas, I don't think there's a whole lot of spots left when it comes to the portal either. I do know that they do. They would like to add another wide receiver. They've got three coming in in the 2024 cycle, uh, notably Ryan Wingo, five-star out of St. Louis, who's going to be on campus in a few weeks. But I do think that they would love to add another guy on that outside. And it's not a given that Adnan Mitchell's leaving. Now, you know, conventional wisdom says he's going to go go to the league. But, you know, behind the scenes, I think Texas is trying to keep him around for another year. I think I think they're, they're trying to keep recruiting him, so to speak. And so I don't see a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room there. I think they would definitely add a veteran defensive tackle if they could. Because when you go to the SEC, you can't have enough defensive linemen. And I think they'd like to add another tight end, especially if they lose Sanders, because you return Gunnar Helm, but you want someone a little more explosive. You want someone more, maybe a little more athletic. And so that number changes daily, guys. But right now, I could see Texas adding maybe two or three more from the portal total. Justin, uh, they've had a lot of success down here in Waco recently. Most uh I guess most recently here, Kobe Black uh, from Connolly pledging to the Longhorns. They got Jelani McDonald prior to that. And then Trey Wisner uh, had the DeSoto stop there in the middle before he arrived in Austin. But he was a Connolly guy at one point. Um, Kobe Black, your thoughts on landing him, what that means moving forward, and just how you see his role with the Longhorns as uh, he spends his days there on the 40 acres. Yeah, they, they, they've... Uh... Terry Garrett's done a good job down there at Conley. I, I think he, I think he's earned some Texas gear yeah. with the amount of cadets headed to, to Austin. And you know what, Jelani McDonald, who I absolutely love, and Trey Wisner, they were helpful in this recruitment. These guys aren't just good football players, dude. You, you see, these are incredible basketball players. These are athletes. And so, you know, with Kobe, he, I love that kid. He, he really handled the recruiting process maturely. You know. People get all bent out of shape about star rankings and taking visits and did he take this visit? Is it an official here? You know, stuff like that. Kobe never panicked. Kobe never had any sense of anxiety. Sometimes these recruits, it becomes, uh, it becomes anxious and, and nervous. Kobe never did. And I think it's because Kobe had two older brothers that both played college sports, uh, notably Corey, uh, who's a starting cornerback for Oklahoma State. And so I think he got to see how they went through the process. And then his parents, this wasn't the first rodeo for them either. His dad, Keith Black, obviously played for Bill Schneider at Kansas State. He, he, he's, you know, familiar with the recruiting process as well. And, and if you ask them, you know, they, they just let Kobe kind of make his call, make his decision. Honestly, Kobe made his decision in the summer. He, was, he committed to Texas, I believe it was either June or August. 
when he actually committed to Texas. But he wanted to make sure, and that's why he, he kept it under wraps for, for forever. Six foot two, 200 pounds. Uh, he's a corner. He's going to be your boundary corner. He is going to replace Ryan Watts in the secondary uh, for the Texas Longhorns. When they brought him on one of his trips on, on campus one time, when they brought up the video session, they said, you see Ryan Watts, number six, that's you. And that's your opportunity. When he goes to the league, we need you to fill in and be an impact guy as a freshman, like a Manny Muhammad, the freshman from South Oak Cliff, like, like an Anthony Hill, the freshman from Denton Ryan, like a Derek Williams, the freshman from West uh, New Iberia down in Louisiana. Kobe sees the opportunity to play early. He sees Sark's uh, attention to playing the young talent because the best on the field is going to play whether you're a freshman or a senior. Kobe Black does a little bit of everything. Played the offense, played defense. He's a corner at the next level. He was a great, uh, good basketball player, good on-ball defender, ran track. He's just a great athlete and a great kid. And the fact that he's going to be able to potentially make an impact early like some of these other freshmen that he watched this season, I think was probably the biggest factor he chose Texas. Justin, they have a game. They do have a game coming up. Uh, even though there's still a lot of time, everyone's back to work. Uh, and and the, the focus on the game itself, despite some guys who have entered the portal, again, Malik Murphy, I hate the fact he won't be a part of the semifinals. It just doesn't seem right. But otherwise, uh, the health uh, of some of the players that were kind of banged, nicked up, I know Worthy's ankle, but he was fine. Your thoughts about who they are right now as they get yet some more practices in? Yeah, that's, um, there is another game. You know, it's a college football playoff for the first time for the Texas Longhorns. And, and I, you know, the situation with, with, with the portal coming at the – I mean, is the timing any worse? Could, it, could, could this have been jimmied any worse? I mean, it, it's just it, – it, it, I hate that Malik Murphy won't be there doing that or Jalen Catalan or, or another a number of other kids. I did like Sarkeesian come out and saying, look, if they do want to hit, hit the portal and still stay with the team through the playoffs, they're more than welcome. Because before that, they weren't allowed to do that. At Texas, if you hit the portal, you got to go. And so Sark did bend the rules a little bit there. But, you know, they had two practices on Friday and Saturday. Saturdays was spirited and physical. They had a ton of recruits commit on, on campus. They wanted to, to, to really get things in order, get back in the swing of things, knock the rust off. And, and I heard it was a tremendous practice with a good team run afterwards. They, they, they got to prep because – uh, you know, if there's one thing you've got to pay attention to with Washington, it's that passing attack. I mean, they are chunk yardage monsters. Michael Penix gets one read and goes. They got three NFL caliber receivers. They got a thousand yard receiver. I mean, thousand yard running back uh, to, to balance things out. And so Texas is going to have to shore up. I think that those safe that safety play is going to have to be you know shored up a little bit. You got Jaron Thompson back there. You got Michael Taft. Problem is, Derek Williams, your star freshman, is going to miss half of the first game. Uh, is going to miss the first half in the Sugar Bowl because of a targeting penalty in the Big 12 championship. That is going to burn a little bit more than I think people anticipate. Because Derek has been absolutely, you know, they call him the Raptor for a reason. He came from Jurassic Park because he tracks and smacks. They they need to shore that up because we know. Rome is going to go big. We know Jalen Polk, the East Texas Lufkin native. We know he's been explosive and spectacular in the two years he's been up in Washington. They're going to have to get right. I think Texas has an advantage in the line of scrimmage. I think the offensive line and the defensive line definitely favor Texas. And I think the physical play is actually what they're going to push. I, I don't think it's going to be as wide open as you may have seen the Texas Tech game or, or some of the other ones. I think it's going to be more of a, phys a physical game. 
But the best part is that they got guys healthy. C.J. Baxter's been dinged up all year. He's finally he got some time off for this play, for the bowl practice. He's finally getting healthy. Jade Barron, another one. He's been dinged up three or four times this year. They've had a few offensive linemen going through some injuries as well, and so they were able to kind of recover, recharge, refuel, uh, set some stuff up, get some game plan put in. And, 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 you know, the fact that they played last year, I actually think benefits Texas because it was a good game. That was a game we covered. It was actually a really good game. And, and you, you could see Washington being a really good team the next year. I don't know if we expected Texas to be that this good the next year. I certainly didn't. But Washington and Kalen DeBoer has done such an amazing job up there. you got to tip your cap that, that they've done well. But at the end of the day, get better, get healthy, recover, get the game plan installed. Get prepared. Get focused. They'll open some presents in a few days. They'll come back, finish practice, head down to New Orleans, uh, and get ready for a for a, a really a big title bout because Washington is going to bring it. Those guys get down the field offensively as fast as anybody in the country. And I think the, if there's a weakness in the Texas team, it's that back end. It's those it's that, those two safeties. You got to make sure you're in the right spot, taking the right angles. And so it, it's going to be fun, Smokey. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think both teams are pretty evenly matched on the outsides. And so I'm just ready for uh, – I'm not used to in, being in this position. I'm not used to having to wait till New Year's Day, you know, covering the Longhorns. We've only had one of those bowl games, which was the Sugar Bowl in 2018 when Texas and Sam Ellinger beat Georgia. So – this is new territory for me, brother. Uh, Justin, you mentioned that secondary. It's weird when you think about the four teams that are in the playoff. Look, we know that Texas matches up well with Alabama because we saw that uh, early in the year. Um, I, it, you would just think that on paper they match up pretty well with Michigan, seeing as they played a, a bit of a tougher schedule, that Michigan you know, hasn't played a team with the, the playmakers they have. But – of all the teams that they could have drawn in that first round, Washington seems to me to be the one that would be the matchup that they would they would have the most problems with uh, of all the others. Yeah, and you know, I would agree, except for the fact that they saw him last year. So there's some familiarity there. And obviously, Coach DeBoer and those guys are going to change it up, and, and they'll bring a, a new game plan. But I think that actually helped them last year. They got kind of a – uh, a preseason game, so to speak. You know, if, if you wanted to count that extra game from last year to, to sort of prepare for those guys. I actually think they match up. I think the matchup with Washington is pretty even, just like I think the Alabama-Michigan matchup is pretty even. You know, when Bama and the Wolverines go against each other, that's going to be a three yards and a cloud of dust type of game. I mean, there will be blood. That's just going to be a tough, tough fight. With Washington, they might, this thing might open up. You might see some some fireworks come out of come out of that game, and so I actually think Texas has the advantage having played in them, having played them last year, and, and played them pretty well. And and notably, Quinn Ewers' best passing game in 2022 was against Washington. It was in that Alamo Bowl where Sark actually opened up the offense a little bit more, let him do a few more things, and until the Big 12 championship, that was the most yardage he had ever thrown for in a football game. And so Ewers, when he's confident, guys. And he's clicking. Texas is hard to stop. That countered with that Texas defensive line, I'm not sure. You know, I wouldn't have imagined the Texas D-line is better than Georgia's or better than Michigan's or better than Alabama's. And then you watch the season and you watch the tape, and guys, they're all pretty even. If not, Texas may have an advantage in a couple spots, believe it or not, especially with the experience. And so the fact that they played last year, the fact that they, they're, they're similar 
tendencies there from, from Coach DeBoer. I think that actually benefits Texas. It makes it a good, a great matchup, though. I like this matchup better than a rematch with Bama in the first round or, or, or playing Michigan again, which they're going to actually go to Ann Arbor mm-hmm. week two next season. So we, we may see a, 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 you know, see a, a reprise of this again next year. Justin, what's it like, just this convergence of events? I mean, as you pointed out, this is kind of unfamiliar territory, being in the playoff. It is not kind of, it is being in the playoff for the very first time, but the aches and pains and the bumps and the bruises of bad coaching hires or this or that over the years that's kept them from really flexing as much as they want, it feels like they're kind of getting their full superpowers, all working sort of at the same time, whether it be off the field in recruiting, uh, where clearly they're, they're benefiting there from winning, but also just the state of, of things, NIL, things like that. Uh, but winning on the field, I mean, just what's it kind of like to see this program sort of flexing its muscle and, and showing all that it can show, but still having a little bit more out there on the bone to chew on? You know, Tom Herman said it best. He called it alignment. And I think that's what you see. You've got an alignment with boosters, with coaches, with administration, with players. This is a player-led team. First two years with Sark, it was coach-led. No more. This is a player-led squad. Jalen Ford, Quinn Ewers, uh, Kelvin Banks, Jatavian Sanders. These guys are, are, are running the show. And, and the, the thing I, I think is most interesting is that as they're ascending and as the trajectory is going up, Sark still seems to find motivating factors. If it, you know, he, he'll, he'll take a, a sentence said by a coach to, you know, last season. He, he, he took a lot of what Joey McGuire, everybody remembers the speech Joey McGuire gave in Lubbock last year after that overtime win over the Horns. They didn't forget that. You know, they didn't forget the close games with Baylor over the last five, six, seven years where they were nail biters. They didn't forget those games. And so I, I think that he, Sark's done such a good job of keeping them motivated keeping him humble. I love his press conferences because he's so transparent. If something goes right, he gives the credit to the coaches and the players. If something goes wrong, he takes it on himself. And that's, that was, that's a little different from the previous regime. That's a little unique. The buzz is all over the state. I was at the UIL State Championship uh, this weekend. That's, every, that's, that's almost everything people were talking about. Texas going to the playoff. It's that momentum. It, it recruits are feeling it. You know, they, they, they just landed two ginormous uh, commits today, and Xavier Fulsame uh, out of Florida, uh, the Florida commit out of McKinney, and then obviously Andrew McCoober from, from Clemson. And then now they've got an announcement coming in the next 20 minutes, a four-star tied in out of Calhoun, Georgia, who holds 39 offers and is choosing either Texas, Ohio State, or Central Florida. So I think what you're seeing is just a, a swell of momentum in its building. But Sark is keeping these guys' ears low. He's keeping these – I mean, Saturday was a, was a rough practice, guys. He, he, it wasn't a let's just get back into the rhythm of it. it it's cutthroat. You know, Sark said it best. They didn't come here just to come here. They want to win this thing. And the fact that they beat Alabama when they did, how they did, where they did, I think they've used that momentum. It reminds me of the 2019 LSU Tigers when Joe Burrow and, and Orgeron came into Austin and played an insane game, one of the best football games I've ever seen. And they came out with, on the win, and they asked Joe Burrow, you know, later on during the season after the national championship, you know, when did you know this was a title team? They said that win in Austin in that, that second week. They said that, that carry over. I think that Alabama win, I think there's some of that with Texas. I think there's some of that within the locker room. The culture is solid. You know, these guys aren't just taking kids in the portal. They are very judicious. 
They, you have to pass a physical, a mental eval, but also a cultural eval because this is a culture building type process right now. And so everybody's talking about it. Listen, when Notre Dame is good, when USC is good, when the Texas Longhorns are good, college football just seems more fun. I don't know why it's like that, but I've heard that before, and it feels like it rings true. When the New York Yankees are good, baseball is good. When the Dallas Cowboys are good, football is good. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a culmination of, of a lot of goodwill, a lot of hard knocks over the last decade, and then finally putting it all together for a really special, potentially super special 2023 campaign. Justin, thank you. Appreciate your time. We'll be back in touch. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.